Hello, this is Patty Davis. I'm a psychic medium and intuitive, and I'm coming to you from Humboldt County, which is in Northern California, where the redwood trees meet the ocean. Aloha, my name is Jude Lynch, and I am a psychic intuitive energy healer, hailing from the island of Kauai, the garden island of the Hawaiian island chains. Welcome to Spirit Speakers Podcast, where we meet to discuss a variety of topics from two different psychic vantage points. Hello and welcome. This is Patty Davis, and I'm here with Jude Lynch. On this episode, we are discussing our spiritual toolbox. Jude and I each have a long list of tools that we utilize that help assist us in our readings. They help anchor our intentions, balance and clear energies, activate particular frequencies, and activating healing energies for ourselves and for our clients. In addition to that, they're a lot of fun and add a lot of validation to our practices. So to start off, the most important ones and the ones that I use most frequently would be affirmations, intentions, mantras, meditation, and automatic writing. And meditation is pretty self-explanatory. There are many, many different ways to meditate, and it's important that you find a meditative method that works best for you. In meditation, what our goal is to silence our minds so we can have a better connection with spirit and utilize the energies of the spiritual dimension and bring in information. I also am a huge intention setter. I set intentions every morning before I leave the house, intentions on how I'm asking my day to look, what I'm asking to come in. I also set intentions before I see each one of my clients. And one of the things I'd really like to play with is automatic writing. And if you haven't done that before, it's super interesting. Automatic writing is basically channeling information through your body into your hand as you're writing. Now, this can be done with your eyes closed or with your eyes open. You have a pen and a piece of paper handy, and you go into a meditative state where you ground and center, and then you allow information to come in. You just begin by doodling and then allow words to come, and you just start writing away. Now, when you're writing a story, what's happening is you're utilizing your imagination and you're transferring your thoughts and your emotions into words. And so there's a pause there before it actually travels through and onto the piece of paper. However, when you are automatic writing, this information doesn't pause. It travels all the way through. And as you're writing it, that's the first time that you're actually reading it and understanding what it is that's coming through your hand. And when I get done and read what it is I've written, I'm always super surprised. I'm always gifted with amazing information. And oftentimes there are actually words that I have to look up the definition of. Apparently spirit has a much better vocabulary than I do. But it's a tool that's really exciting. It's a way to enter into channeling that's fun and easy and safe. Jude, do you have any experience with automatic writing? Actually, I did try automatic writing for the first time just the other week, and it was because you were talking about it and how often you did it and how easy it was, and I was intrigued. So I gave it a go and kind of went into my meditative zone and started writing all of this prophetic stuff about the future. That was my question when I went into the automatic writing was, where are we going? What is happening in the world? At first, I wasn't too terribly impressed by it just because I thought that maybe I made it up. But what happened was after I stepped away from it and came back to revisit it and look at it again, I was like, this is actually pretty profound information that I pulled out. I wrote about a half a page 
the messages I got were pretty positive and uplifting. So I mean, I'm fresh with it. I'm not seasoned at all, but I did find it interesting. And once you hit a flow and these sentences started coming out, it was pretty cool to feel that. That's great. Did you do it with your eyes closed or your eyes open? I did it with my eyes closed. And isn't it amazing that you somehow stay on the paper? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And there's like a surrender that happens. I think I was kind of like walking through mud the first couple sentences that came out. And then eventually I just started sentence after sentence after sentence. And then when I read back, I was pretty mystified by what I wrote. So one of my favorite tools in my spiritual toolbox is anything and everything to do with sound. The reason I love sound is because even if I'm off that day, even if I'm in a mood or going through something on a personal level, using instruments and sound, every time I play them, they're always going to be hitting the exact frequency that I'm looking for. So I really appreciate musical instruments for that reason. Tuning forks I love for their precision, as well as the crystal singing bowls, the Tibetan singing bowls with the different metals in them. I love that you're getting the frequency of the gold and the bronze and the copper and all these different elements that are in the bowls. So not only are you getting the beautiful sounds and intonations, but you're getting also the energy of the materials that they're made out of. The bells I find are really good at getting rid of very low level energies. And if you're having a feeling like there might be entities around, I love ringing bells for clearing the space of darker, denser energies. Rattles are really great. They kind of break up energy if energy is really stagnant or getting stuffy or thick. Flutes I love. They bring me right up into the third eye and the crown. It's a very like elevated, lifted, the wind going through and that high intonation. And then drums I love, of course, because they're very grounding. It's very earthy and rootsy. It's anchoring. It keeps you on a steady trajectory through whatever journey you're going on. I know, Patty, you like the drums. Have you been using much with the sound instruments in your practice? Well, Jude, you turned me on to tuning forks several years ago, and I use them a lot in my practice with clients, and they're just amazing. The forks that you and I both use, and I think you use a few extra ones as well, are tuned to each of the chakras. So when you utilize them in that area, it's so interesting how they can be really loud and clear, or they can come across with a very dull sound or a very choppy sound, which can really help you understand the shape that chakra is in. So I love that you turned me on to those. And then I, for myself, use drums. When I meditate, it can be amazing. When I meditate with drums, it's a whole different experience. And we know that sound is vibrational frequency and that we can use it to manipulate, shift, and balance energy, but it can also really take your meditation into different directions. And I'd also like to say that having a sound healing with you, not only is it very healing, but it's one of the most pleasurable and enjoyable experiences that I have ever had. Thank you, Patty. I put a lot of intention behind the way that I formulate my sound baths. I really like to be anchored. And at the same time, I want to give people space to really journey out and explore and then bring them back home, bring them back into their body before they get back out into the world. I really think about all of the instruments, the placement, how I'm doing it. I do not like doing random sound baths. Everything from beginning to end, it has a purpose. 
So thank you for appreciating that. You're welcome. And I don't think there's anything worse than going to a sound healing that is jarring and unsettling. I've had many times when I've gone to sound baths where I had to really recover afterwards. So it is really important that you get a sound healing from somebody that knows what they're doing. So I am going to move on to aromatherapy, smudges, incense, herbs. I am an aromatherapist. I have a really strong sense of smell. And just like music has the ability to really manipulate our energy frequencies, smells are the same. So I utilize aromatherapy for healing physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Oftentimes I'll be doing a reading and spirit will suggest aromatherapies to help people. There are aromatherapy scents, essential oils that really helps people with grounding, that help open up chakra flow, that help open up our crown chakra so we can connect to our spiritual selves. There's a wonderful apothecary of smells out there that are fun to play with. And smudges. I love to burn shit. I burn (laughs) incense. (laughs) I burn incense and smudge constantly. The smoke detector is always going off, but it smells so wonderful. I utilize sage, but more than that, I work with Palo Santo because it's not quite as smoky. And I took an incense course and just cannot get enough. And I'm constantly burning loose incense, whether that be resins or herbs or flowers or spices. I oftentimes channel the incense blends that I'm making, depending on what the intention is that I'm setting. And there's a new thing that's been coming through when I'm doing readings for people. Spirit will suggest an herb that they utilize. And I'm not an herbalist, and this makes me a little bit nervous. However, when I call an herbalist after those to validate that it's a healthy herb to use, it always has made sense. So herbs are a great thing to use as well. You turned me on to essential oils. I was into them, but on the level that you're into them, I think I'd come over and you'd brought out this basket. There was like a hundred different essential oils in there. And I was like a kid in a candy store. I had no idea how deep you could go with it. And it was life-changing to bring essential oils into my life. I mean, I realized that I've always been sensitive to smells and it will affect my mood. It will put me in a bad mood if the house doesn't smell good or somebody doesn't smell good or anything doesn't smell good. Um, So I'm a bit of a junkie now with always putting oils and incense and things everywhere I go. It's like one of the first things I pack when I travel. One of my favorite incense is Popal. I love the way that smells. It's one that I recommend for people. It just has this very soothing, mellow, meditative aroma. Frankincense is another one that I love. Have you ever thrown fresh cedar on a fire? Yes, fresh cedar and fresh vetiver. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. 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 It's like... I wish I had more cedar available to me here in Hawaii. I don't even know if it even grows here, but that is one of the most phenomenal, clarifying things I've ever experienced was fresh cedar on a fire. Another thing that I like in terms of smudges is salt. I'm a big salt person. I love salt, black salt, pink salt, white salt. Salts are really amazing. Salts have a very drawing energy. They kind of absorb energies and very clarifying. Different color salts can emit a different frequency. Pink 
Salt would be like love. White is clarifying. Black would remove negative energies if you have access to those different colors. Any salt really works great, but I love salt. I put a pinch of salt in all my uh, aromatherapy sprays. I'll throw salt around a house, throw salt around a room. I'll take a bath with salt. I'll dump salt on top of my head if I'm having headaches and just put a clump of it on top of my head when I'm in the shower and sit with it for a minute and then like rinse it down my body, add it into my bath if I feel like overwhelmed or zapped energetically. Salt is probably one of my most favorite tools and the most accessible and easy to find in my spiritual toolbox. Yes, I currently have salt cures all over my house. Salt is heavily utilized in feng shui as well. What is that, a salt cure? Whenever there's stuck energy in a room, you take a jar and you put coins in there and salt and water and you set it in corners where energy might get stuck and it helps move energy. Oh, cool. Jude, you work with flower essences. Is that correct? Oh, I love flower essences. Flower essences are essentially harnessing the subtle energy of flowers and anchoring them into a solution of alcohol and water, basically. You're working with the subtle energy body. So each flower, each plant out there has a different energy that they bring. And when you're introducing that energy, like if you're somebody who needs more nurturing, there are certain flowers that have a very nurturing quality to them. So if you take these flower essences, you're just introducing a tiny drop frequency of nurturing energy into your system. And you keep taking that multiple times a day for weeks on end. And eventually you're acclimating your body and like reprogramming it to have nurturing energy in it. So essentially that's how flower essences work. But I mean, it can be for everything and anything that you can even imagine. I really love the power of flower essences. Herbs too herbal tea blends. Both Patty and I have a mutual friend who's an herbalist and she really turned me on to her herbal tea blends that she makes for love or for letting go of things or for uh, nurturing the womb space. Herbal teas is definitely something that I like to use and something that I often recommend to my clients. When I feel like they're lacking in certain areas, I'll recommend certain herbal teas to them to help open up blocked energies. Patty and I both love crystals. Both of us have expressed we both love black tourmaline. It's probably of all of my stone collection. I have more black tourmaline than anything. Clear quartz is also one of my favorites. Patty, what are your favorite go-to crystals? Well, definitely black tourmaline. I currently have a little piece of black tourmaline in every single corner of my house, which may sound like it's overdoing it, but... I have had my house feng shui and they suggested that. And so what that does is that clears negative energies that might be settling in any corners. And I have a big giant chunk of that behind my head when I sleep and I have a big piece of it next to me in my office when I do readings. And I also have a large piece of amethyst. And if I'm reading someone and I'm having difficulty getting information, I'll pick up a piece of amethyst and just hold it in my hand. And that helps open up my third chakra and my crown to help me gather more information. And I use stones holistically. If I'm starting to get a sore throat, I'll suck on a piece of aquamarine. If I'm 
feeling blocked in my second chakra, I'll put a stone that corresponds with that chakra on my belly or in my belly button. I utilize stones a lot. I have a lot of jewelry that's made out of stones and crystals, and I will wear them according to my intention for that day or depending on what type of a day I have coming up, what type of clients I'm seeing, whether I'm going to be busy, whether it's a gentle day. So I utilize stones and crystals constantly. And shopping for stones and crystals are something that Jude and I both love and do together on a regular basis. Yes, I love gemstones, crystals, and some of the most humble and affordable ones are the most potent ones, <laughs> which is actually really nice. Of course, I like some of the more exotic stones as well, aquamarine being one of my absolute favorites. The quartz points, what I really love about them, when you get a natural quartz point, the energy moves in the direction that the point is pointing. So it's really kind of nice to set up these grids around with the quartz points pointing in the direction that you want energy to move. So if you're feeling stagnant energy in a certain area, you can get quartz points and arrange them in a way that starts pushing the energy out towards the direction of those quartz points. Orgone is something that's kind of a newer thing that people are making. I think it's metal shavings and crystals. People add all different ingredients, but they are supposed to neutralize EMF, electromagnetic energy in the space and kind of neutralize that because we live in a world with Wi-Fi and cell towers and there's a lot of invisible disturbances that we're constantly being subjected to. The orgone devices, I've been gifted a few of them. I bought a few of them and I like to put them around my electronics in my house. Plus they're really beautiful and there's some really great artists out there making some amazing jewelry and little feature pieces. Kind of fun to look around and see what people are doing with the orgone. I've just come across those recently. I have a lot of shungite stones in my house that I use similarly as you do and put them in spaces where EMFs might be entering the room. Another tool that I love are tools of divination. So tarot cards, oracle cards, I Ching, runes. Patty uses something called the Ogum sticks. Is that right, Patty? Oh yeah, they're super fun. It's a tool used by the Celtics. They're wooden sticks and each one is made of a different wood and has a symbol burnt into it. And there's usually 20 and they come from different sacred sites all over Europe mostly. And you can use them similarly as runes. And they're just beautiful because one may be out of birch and another one out of alder, one out of yew, one out of apple, and they have their own meaning. So you can pick them or toss them and read them that way. So similar to runes, and runes are really fun. They're based on an ancient alphabet, and they're these pretty simplified symbols that are carved usually in wood or stone. And you put them in a bag, you pull them out, depending on what you picked on the question, it can tell your fortune. I got into runes when I was younger because they're really easy to make. You could just cut up some slices of wood or get some stones and etch them in there and use them as a form of divination. Tarot cards, which have been around forever, 
it's a traditional 78 card deck and there's a major arcana and a minor arcana and most people have seen that with the coins, the cups, the swords, the wands. When you are shuffling through that deck, what happens is each card is holding space for a particular frequency and you are a makeup of all of these different frequencies. So it's like a magnet in a way. When you're flipping through those 78 cards and you're asking a question, that frequency is matching up with the specific card to give you that message. And that's essentially how they work. And it's the same thing with Oracle cards. Oracle cards are a little different. Oracle cards are kind of programmed by the artist or the person who created them. They are attracted to your energy and you pull them and they reveal a message for you. Patty, you are into the Oracle cards too, right? More than the Tarot or have you played around with the Tarot too? I play a little bit with the Tarot and a little bit with Oracle cards. I do have a deck of goddess cards, which really speak clearly to me that I utilize quite a bit. But I'd like to learn more about Tarot, but I haven't taken the time to do it. It takes a lot to learn. I got into Tarot, I think I was 18, and I found a deck in my car, and I don't know how they got there. And I was so intrigued. I decided to study them and got the books, did the research, like literally studied them as though it was like a college course, <laughs> like probably more than any schooling I've ever taken. I really studied the tarot till I got so good at them that I could just pull the cards and understand what the messages were at the top of my head. I got kind of obsessed for a little bit there. I wouldn't go throughout my day without pulling cards. I'm like, I got to pull cards for everything. Any decision that I'm making, I'm pulling cards. And this one morning I woke up and I pulled cards for the day. And very clearly I saw this message that I was going to lose something. I was going to get really angry. And then I was going to get really depressed. Just to sum it up, that was going to be my day. And I was like, well, I'm not going to let this happen. I'm not going to move from this spot all day long. So I sat in the same place the entire day to avoid losing, getting mad, and then getting depressed. And the sun is going down, and I need to walk back to my campsite. As I'm walking through the woods, I got lost. The sun is down. Branches are smacking me in the face. Next thing you know, I'm cussing. I'm just like, where am I? Screaming at the top of my lungs at this point for help because I'm that lost deep, deep in the wood. I don't know if I'm going to be found. I don't know where I'm going. I'm crying. I'm super upset. I eventually hear some voices off in the distance. Anyways, I get back to my tent and I lay down and then I'm like laughing because I try to avoid what my guards told me was going to happen all day. And it was in the last hour of the night before I was going to bed that it actually came true. And oddly enough, the next morning when I woke up, that tarot deck was nowhere to be found. Ooh, that's interesting. Right. So I actually let it go, the tarot, for a couple years. I just set it aside and didn't do any more readings. I think I got a little bit too crazy with it. And then eventually introduced them back into my life and started collecting different decks and had a lot of fun with it. I still use them. I'm still pretty good at reading them. I will pull them out every once in a while. You know, as a psychic, it's hard to read yourself. So sometimes... <laughs> Tarot cards are a nice way for me to be able to read myself. Another form of divination that I often look to is the I Ching, the Book of Changes. How you do an I Ching is you throw three coins six times, and depending on how many are heads up or 
tails up or a combination of them, it makes the vibration more yin or more yang. And you stack that six times and you come up with a hexagram. And there's a total of 64 potential outcomes. And each one has an interpretation. So I go to this website, it's called iching.online. And so you can throw your own coins and plug it in and it'll give you the interpretation. And I'm telling you, it is uncanny how spot on the message will be pertaining to the question that you were asking. It is kind of mind blowing actually. So whenever I'm trying to make a really intense decision, I'll go to the I Ching. I've never played with that at all, but I'm definitely going to look into it. Sounds really interesting. So let's talk about scrying. Whenever you see a picture of a gypsy looking into a crystal ball, what she is doing is called scrying. Scrying is when you gaze into something. You can gaze into a crystal ball, into water, into fire, and it allows visions to unfold to give you information. What you're doing is you're setting an intention or asking a question for some information that you want to attain. And what you're doing is you're gazing into the surface and a vision will unfold, which will answer your question or assist you to do a reading for someone. And I have done it with a crystal ball many times. Also, I've done it with water and fire. It's fun to sit in front of a fire pit and ask a question and just stare into the fire, into the flames and allow it to unfold. And Jude, you use mirrors, is that correct? Yeah, I accidentally discovered that I could scry with mirrors. And I think part of it, you know, mirrors are pretty intense vortexes. They're reflecting energy back at you. Like Literally, that's what they're doing. So I'm highly sensitive with mirrors. I think part of it is just my own psychic ability. I have this thing where when I go into people's houses and I look in their mirror, I can tell a lot about a person based on just looking at their mirror. And it's not anything that I intentionally do, but it's like their energy that they've been giving that mirror bounces off of it and now I'm picking it up. So if it's somebody who really loves themselves and likes looking at themselves in the mirror, I will look in their mirror and feel more beautiful and feel like I love myself more. And and it's quite the opposite too. I'll also pick up people who are more insecure or looking at themselves a certain way in the mirror, I'll pick up that energy. But outside of that, I've also found that I can ask questions in a mirror and will get very vivid images or reflections back through the mirror. I've seen my aura, my physicality change into other images, other lifetimes. I've seen animal energies come through. It's like a reflection of my own aura coming back at me. So that's a way I've not been trained in it. I just see certain things reflected back at me in the mirror. I've never tried to do the crystal ball or the fire or the elements like you have. So I'm curious, Patty, do you actually get images when you see it or is it like an intuitive mind's eye thing? I'm curious now. For me, images actually unfold. It's something that I utilize if I'm stuck or if I just want to play and get information a little bit differently. And that's the thing that I wanted to mention about tools. Tools are not necessary. If you want to open up your psychic abilities, you do not have to go out and purchase a bunch of tools, but they do help a lot. They're a great assistant. They help validate. They help bring information in and they're super fun to play with. And so for me, Jude, um, yes, I will actually stare and a vision will unfold and I'll just watch it turn into almost like looking at a photograph or a movie 
and I'll be able to get information from that. And from there I do, because it's a visual, I do have to interpret the message that I'm getting from that visual, but it is pretty fun. That is really cool. I can't wait to be sitting next to a bonfire and do some scrying then. I've just never really thought to try to do it before. The mirror thing was just purely accidental and the fact that everyone has mirrors and I see them all the time and I just pick up kind of different energies off of that. But I'm going to have to try this elemental scrying. Well, this might be a good place to segue into dowsing rods and utilizing a pendulum. Now, I'm curious to hear what you have to say about a pendulum because I don't utilize it quite a bit. I don't really trust it. I feel like I can make it do what I really want it to do, but I have so much fun with dowsing rods. Dowsing rods are usually copper. They come in all different lengths and you hold on to them and you can't control. It's kind of like it makes an L shape and you're holding on to the shorter part and there's a longer piece that's coming outward. You have one in each hand and you cannot control how it moves. There's like a sleeve over the rod that you're holding on to. And it was originally used to locate a source of water for people to dig wells. So you'll walk with that and set the intention that you're looking for water. And when you cross a path of water, the dowsing rods will cross. But you can use them for all kinds of fun things. I use them in Avery, England. I was at the Neolithic Stone Circle. I was with a group of women and we were walking with them. And when we came to the place where the ley lines cross, the energetic ley lines that map throughout the world, our dowsing rods would just start spinning and going crazy. It's super fun. And I'm kind of a master at dowsing rods. I've gotten really good where I can hold them and ask them to turn to the left, ask them to go to the right, ask them to cross, ask them to open. And you can't control that physically. So they're really fun to play with using mind control to work with them. And you can also utilize them for questions, for yes and no questions or directions. I haven't used dowsing rods a lot. You're the one who introduced them to me and it is amazing how you can direct your energy and make the dowsing rods move directions. It's a really great tool to practice projecting your energy actually, to emitting your energy to be more open or swaying it over to the right or swaying it towards that person over to the left and watching these dowsing rods change directions it's kind of mind-blowing, really. And as far as pendulums go, yeah, I do like pendulums. I don't use them a ton, but yeah, I'll take one out every once in a while. I do hear what you're saying where you can get caught up in thinking you're the one that's moving it a certain direction, but I feel like if your intention and your focus is to be as still as possible, as long as that's your baseline with the pendulum, whatever direction it moves is what it's trying to tell you. And for those of you who don't know what a pendulum is, it's just an object that's hanging from a chain or a string that you hold up and you hold it as still as you can. And it's either going to move back and forth or go in a circle clockwise or counterclockwise or stay still. And so you can ask, what does no mean? And your pendulum might swing clockwise. And then you say, what does yes mean? And then it might swing back and forth. And then neutral might be still. Then you can ask yes or no questions and see what way it moves. It's fun. It's not my go-to one, but I'll play around with it every once in a while. As I said, it's always hard for me as an intuitive to read my own stuff. And I have a hard time asking people for help. So I'll go to pendulums and tarot cards and oracle cards to kind of get my own insight. 
Another tool that I use on occasion is palm reading and face reading. So palm reading, of course, is old school. Everybody's heard of that. They hear you're psychic. And one of the most common questions I get is like, oh, can you read my palm? I kind of can. I'm not a master of it by any means, but there is the major lines on the hand. They say have specific meanings. It's kind of like a map to your life what type of person you are, what things you can expect at different stages in your life. The fact that everybody's finger patterns and skin patterns are totally unique and no two are alike, that I think there's something to be said with being able to read the palm. I do know this that I'll share is there's these lines that cross in your hands. And if you have an X that goes through the middle of your hand and it's pretty definitive, those people tend to be very psychic. So any person I've ever met that has that X across the middle of their hand usually have pretty strong intuitive or empathic abilities. Face reading, I got introduced to that through somebody else who was a face reader and he blew me away actually. I'd never even heard of this and he read me just by looking at my face and according to how long or how round my face is, how high my cheekbones are, the shape of my eye, how far up my eyebrows are. There's this form of reading through the face and I actually studied it a bit and it's really interesting because they'll even say the face can be broken down to different ages. So like the top of the forehead starting at birth down to the chin to like being a hundred years old and then it's broken off into these grids. So even if you have a mole or a freckle appearing in a certain area of your face, it can indicate certain things that you might be going through in those age brackets. So if you hit your chin really bad and got a scar, that could be a prediction to a specific age. Oh, when you're 56, you might encounter financial issues because you had a very specific scar that you got when you were seven years old in that specific area. I find face reading to be really fascinating. Is there any other tools that you can think of that you like to use? There are feathers. I have an amazing collection of feathers. I'm gifted feathers a lot. I find feathers all of the time. And each feather has its own unique frequency and its own magical uses. And I actually had a healing session done one time called feather tapping, which was amazing, where I pretty much laid naked on a table. And the shaman that was working with me, she used all of her feathers and she would brush them up and down my body. And even though my eyes were closed, when she would shift from one feather to another, you could really feel the difference and the energy. And I have a few feathers that are from the same type of bird. And when she used them on me, I became clearly aware that they were from two or three different birds. So even though they were the same type of feather, they had their own unique energy and frequency. And that was really amazing and very clearing. So I utilize feathers a lot. And I know there are a lot of people that collect pieces of animals, pieces of bones or skulls or skeletal pieces that utilize animal magic quite a bit. And as a matter of fact, as I'm speaking to you right now, behind me hanging over my loft is a beautiful buffalo hide that Jude gifted to me. And the shaman that I see that does feather tapping, she also wraps her clients in a buffalo hide 
and it's just magical. And animals have such amazing energy and each animal has its own energy. So utilizing animal magic is a tool that I often tap into. And also altars, goddesses, statuary. When you utilize the power of an altar, what you're doing is you are putting objects in one space to really intensify an intention or a desire or something that you want to manifest. And I utilize altars a little bit. I know some people do it quite a bit more. Jude has an amazing altar at her home, but I also really utilize goddess energy. I invoke deities and goddesses all the time. And there are so many goddesses and they each have their own virtue, their own abilities, their own emotion. And so I utilize them by invoking them depending on what I have going on in my life and what type of energy that I'm needing at that time. And Jude, I'd love you to talk about your altar. I actually set up a lot of altars in a lot of areas all the time. I'm an altar person. I think it gives a good focal point for everybody, not only for myself, but other people when they come into a space that they immediately usually get drawn to the altars. I'll have my animal magic, my bones, my feathers, my crystals, the deities that I want to work with specifically. There are certain ones that I'm attracted to because of the energy that they can bring and assist. I'm always setting up altars. When I travel and I go places, one of the first things I do is set up a mini altar. I put all my little gemstones and my oils and anything that I want to keep in a very high vibration, keeping it in a clean zone I'll put all of those tools, all of my spiritual tools, all the things that I love in one little area, and that in itself becomes its own little altar. I like to incorporate sacred geometry into my altars, doing crystal grids, things like that. Sacred geometry has been really potent for me, and I'm telling you, it works. I mean, intuitively, psychically, to feel the imprint of those mini ley lines that you create to open up energy. I love it. It's amazing. I try to incorporate sacred geometry a little bit in everything that I do. Patty, you utilize sacred geometry too, right? I do. I have a lot of sacred geometric shapes and copper wire hanging from my ceiling at home and in the office. And I utilize them when I'm meditating. And I've had several people that have passed that have utilized sacred geometry to try to explain things to me or to help me explore something that's pretty hard to understand with our limited brain. They've used layers of sacred geometry or sacred mapping to help me understand things, which has been really cool. I just got one of those copper pyramids. They're scientifically proven, actually, that they create a vortex of energy that runs through the middle of them that keeps the energy more pure or more clean. Do you know much about the pyramid sacred geometry? Not a whole lot, but I do know that they usher in a lot of healing energy. They've done studies where if you put a pyramid shape over a piece of fruit, it'll actually last longer and it'll take a longer time before it turns rotten. I actually have a six foot tall pyramid out of copper with a huge quartz crystal hanging in the middle that I sit under pretty regularly if I'm feeling out of balance or if I'm wanting to have a more profound meditation or if I'm just feeling like I need to open up to some healing energy. Pyramids are amazing. I'm so attracted to pyramids. I had the good fortune of being able to actually go into the Egyptian pyramids when I was 14. And from my understanding, they don't even allow you to go inside the pyramids anymore. So I was even more lucky that I went at a time that they were still allowing that to happen. 
to get into the pyramids, I don't think people know this, but we had to walk down the staircase, which felt like forever, just going down deeper and deeper and deeper. And you're coming out of this super hot desert and you're getting into this structure that feels as cool as a refrigerator. I mean, it's really cool down there and everything's this beautiful stone and it's covered in all these hieroglyphics. We were actually allotted to lay inside some of the tombs that were in there. They still had the stone structures that they pulled the mummies out of and we got to lay in them. And in my 14-year-old, innocent, naive, unknowing mind, it was the very first time that I remember feeling special. Wow. And like that was, I know. <laughs> and I'll never forget that memory. And it wasn't anything that I was looking for. I wasn't a spiritual person. It just, you know, you don't really know much of the world at 14, or at least I didn't. It's the first time I think I had a legitimate spiritual experience. And that was underneath the pyramid. Yeah, very cool. Everyone I know is probably at least a little bit interested in is astrology, the zodiac, the signs, the way the celestial bodies in the sky are aligned at the time we're born and how that can influence what's going on, not only from the point in time we were born and the cycles that we go through, but the way it's influencing what's currently happening in our lives. I love astrology. I find there to be a lot of meaning in my sign. I'm an Aquarius. I am an Aquarius through and through. What I understand about my astrology feels pretty spot on to me. And the older I get and the more further along in this work that I go, I am finding a strong influence according to the moon phase and the way the planets are aligned. And I can see very clearly how it affects everybody. And I'm feeling more and more sensitive to it the more time that goes by. Do you have anything to add about astrology? Oh, I totally agree with you about the moon cycles. It's something that you know I've been aware of for a long time, but the older I get, the more I recognize the effect they have on me, which allows me to utilize that energy more and more. It is magical. I am also an astrological chart follower. It's super in-depth, similar to Tarot and something that I would love to learn, but don't have the time or the energy to dive into it because it's really multifaceted. I'm a Taurus and I fit my zodiac sign to the T as well. There's this thing called astrocartography, and I haven't looked into it, but I'm really, really dying to do it. And it's essentially using your astrological layout to decipher what key points on the planet would be for you. Like, So there's different influences according to the planets, according to the day you were born, that there are certain areas and places that would be really auspicious for you to be and some that you should probably not go to. And there's even different planets that rule different areas. So if you're looking to focus in on certain areas like love or money, there's certain areas on the planet that you can go to according to your astrological charts that will amplify those energies for you. And I find that to be really fascinating. I'm going to be adding that to my spiritual toolbox soon, hopefully. I hope everybody enjoyed this. I hope this maybe gave you some ideas, some places to explore, some different tools, different things that you may not have even heard of, and seeing what works for you. I hope everybody has a lot of fun building their spiritual toolbox now. 
Yes, and don't be shy to play around and try to have fun with some of these things. They may bring some really interesting information in. They might open up your intuition in some new ways, but at least they're fun to play with. Give you an excuse to go shopping for for some fun stuff. (laughs) Yes, and shopping is very grounding. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Jude, we have a question before we close out. I'll hand it over to you. We had a listener that had the question, how do I know when I'm using my divination tools correctly? That's a good question. I think the thing is, is not to get obsessive about it and go with the first revelation that comes up because some people are like, I pulled cards or I used whatever form of divination and maybe you didn't get the answer that you liked or you felt like the cards or the layout that you got was not easy to interpret. And so then you do it again and then you do it again and then you do it again. And then three, four times in, now you don't even know you're confused. You've overloaded yourself with messages and not really clear on what it is. I think in order to use them right, you ground yourself out, you dive into the question, you set the intention to call in that answer, and you do whatever form of divination that you chose. You do it once and you accept the answer and then let it go. To be attached or to keep trying to get the answer that you want to hear is counterproductive. You should just accept the answer for what it is. And if you can't interpret it clearly, just maybe it's not meant for you to really know. Maybe that's the answer for you. We're not meant to know. We can't know everything all the time. Even though I know Patty is one of those people who likes to know (laughs) everything all the time. (laughs) No, but I'm totally guilty of that about pulling a card. That's not right. Putting it back in the deck, pulling another one. That's not the answer. Putting it back, back and forth. And I love that you brought that up. Sometimes it's just not going to work for you and you just need to put it away and walk away. It shouldn't be something that doesn't feel good. Totally. And that's why I really like things like the oracle cards, because you can pick and choose your forms of divination to be on the more positive spectrum. And there are forms of divination that will give you that more shadow side. And if you're not feeling comfortable working with that, then don't use those. Use something that's got a more uplifting message and keep the vibe high and good. If you're finding yourself disappointed with the messages you're getting, maybe that's not the tool for you. An affirmation deck is a great place to start that have affirmations to help you manifest money, relationships, joy, but affirmations are something really positive to start with. Yeah, I like that, Patty. So thank you for that question and thank you for listening and send us more. We always like to know what you're curious about. It gets us thinking, gets us looking at what we're doing a little bit deeper and makes us better at what we do. Well said, Jude. Thank you for joining us and you can find information on me on my website, wingandether, spelled A-E-T-H-E-R.com or pdavispsychic.com. And my website is alignandshinekauai.com. Until next time, aloha. Thank you so much.